Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fourth season, we're looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor. I'm Matthew Fox from the Superhero Ethics Podcast. And I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Family of Podcasts. And today we're talking about Minute 72, which begins with Heimdall declaring his loyalty to Odin and ends with Thor helping a very drunk Dr. Selvig into bed. Joining us in the show today, we have Bubba Wheat from Flights, Tights, and Movie Nights. You can find movie reviews and podcasts. Um, Bubba, what, what kind of jumped out at you from this minute? I know it's like two halves, uh, and we're kind of finishing the, the Heimdall moment. And this, this is really a, a bit of what I was mentioning, where we really see that struggle of Heimdall between his loyalty and his own personal ethics with that extremely long pregnant pause before he says yes. Yeah, and it, it's Loki. We talked last time about the like Odin, him saying Odin is my king, and Loki Loki definitely picks up on that. He says, he was your king. You've been sworn to obey me now. Yes. Then Heimdall's very slow. And damn, does Loki look mean. Like, he, he really has, like, I mean, I, whatever, Heim, the way that Heimdall said that, all of that, like, Loki is none too pleased about that. Yeah. And one thing that I wonder about, we haven't seen this discussed at all, but way back at the beginning of the movie, when Thor and Loki and all of their friends went to Jotunheim, Heimdall was forbidden to let them through. But he did, in part because he wanted to know what had happened. Do you think Heimdall is feeling any guilt about that? Like, is part of that Heimdall starting to put the pieces together about Loki being behind this or just him having a like, you know, I betrayed Odin for one moment there and I will never, ever do it again? Like, or, or is that just kind of one throwaway line from a long time ago that we've long forgotten? I don't think he feels guilty. I think that he is, like you said, putting the pieces together and he's like, oh, it was Loki this whole time. Now I have to watch him like a hawk as I continue to do the, at least the, the bare minimum of obeying him as my king. So it's not really that he feels guilty. It's that he maybe, is it, he acknowledges that he kind of got suckered a little bit and he never wants to let that happen again. Yeah. Well, and I, I see that a little differently, I think. I think there's, there's an element of Heimdall that um, I think to a certain extent, he also was like Thor and he wanted to get to the bottom of this, right? He yeah. wanted to know, how did those frost giants get by? I'm going to defy Odin's uh, word in the hopes that we can figure this out. It's not like he's doing it in the hopes that Thor goes down and raises holy hell and destroys the planet and starts a war. It's to actually get the answers and to figure that riddle out. And I think right. there's an element of that, that that Heimdall wants to do what's right for Odin, even if it is one of those things that Odin said you can't do. But it's like, you know, if they figured it out, Odin would probably have been okay with everything, right? And so I, I think there's an element of what I don't know. I, I guess now, now that you asked that question, now I'm wondering, is part of what Loki is also doing here? Because Loki knows that Heimdall didn't obey um, Odin. And now he's just like, you're sworn to obey me now. And like making sure that he knows, I know that you didn't obey uh, Odin there. And you better be obeying me now. And there's no more of this trickery. Like, there's there's an element to there that I think is kind of interesting. I, I think all these things are happening. I mean, yeah. as you often described, I think one of the great things about Loki, especially, but all these characters, is they're very rarely feeling one thing. Because, you know, I mean, especially with Heimdall, you can go one step back even further. 
I think you're right, Andy, that he did have that. He wanted to figure that out, both just because he's loyal to Odin and maybe he wants to help Odin, even if Odin doesn't want it. But also, in Heimdall's mind, it is his failure. It is his job sure. to prevent those frost giants from coming through. The fact that they did is kind of on him. So he even more so is like, he's like, yeah, I have never have I allowed this to happen. I want your help figuring this out. And so I just, I just think all of that is at play. And, and as you said, I mean, it's literally uh, Idris Elba is saying one word. You know, he's just saying yes, <laughs> but just his acting is so good that it's just all these different feelings and emotions. I think we can realistically say are are a part of what he's bringing into that role. That's actually an interesting point, too, because that whole thing when Loki comes back from Jotunheim and again, this goes into that whole thing of Heimdall is still in a place trying to figure all this out because whatever part he played, he he wants to get to the bottom of this so that he doesn't have that guilt. So he was looking at Loki in Jotunheim and he couldn't see him. So he, this whole thing about someone found a, a way to hide that which he does not wish me to see. And so it's he is very much trying to solve this puzzle. Yeah, I, I feel like he is very much um, actively, like he serves his his realm the way that he feels like he needs to serve it. And I think there's also a little bit of the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law. Mm. And I could see that, that Heimdall understood that Thor was forbidden to go to Jotunheim, but not that he was forbidden to let him into Jotunheim. And so from his perspective, I think maybe he was allowing Thor to defy Odin rather than defying Odin himself. You're not allowed to go there. I'll open the door, but it's you <laughs> who steps through. Yeah. yeah. As a child of two lawyers, I can definitely appreciate that kind of logic. <laughs> and then we, and we see him do something similar uh, a little bit later in the movie right. as well. Right. Exactly. And, and that might also apply here because here, you know, in that case, maybe Heimdall listened to the letter, but not the spirit of the law. And and that was for a king he loved. And and so maybe also he's kind of saying, like, look, you're not a king I support. So, yes, I will obey you to the letter of the law. But if I can find a way to get around it, you know. Yeah. Um. So and then we do. Uh, and Loki just has this wonderful kind of throwaway line, not throwaway line, but he he says it as though it is. He just walks out talking. Then you'll open the Bifrost to no one until I re repair the damage that my brother has done. Um, and we, we hear the turret starting back up and we hear the turret moving back up. I mean, and, uh, we see a great shot of Heimdall just what he doesn't even turn to watch. He just doesn't move. But what's ha like, what's happening with Loki there? I, I, I think he's afraid of the, the warriors three and Sif trying to go through. Is he actually still trying to like this damage his brother has done? Is it just that he's trying to like remind Heimdall why this matters? Is he actually feeling that stress about I've got to clean up Thor's mess? What what's happening there? I, I totally feel that that is a performance for Heimdall because if you look at it from Loki's perspective, everything that Lo that Thor has done has gotten Loki closer to the throne. Right. It, it's it is very interesting, and there is an element that I I like. When he says that, that you you know you'll open the Bifrost to no one, I like I debate with that. Like, does he think? Because I, I I struggle with him. Like, is he thinking that it might be the Warriors Three and Sif who come to him, or is he thinking that because they're Thor's you know friends but lesser, you know they're not at at they're not princes. 
that they're not necessarily going to take the action that they in fact later do. I'm wondering if he's worried about Heimdall bringing Thor back without permission. Like, I wonder if that's his intention there with that line. Yeah, I think it's certainly possible, especially in that he specifically says, repair the brother, the damage that my brother has done. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The other possibility is Loki just got through telling Thor that his mother never wants to see him again. We know that's a bald-faced lie, and we know if anyone's, like, Frigga is the very loyal, very devoted mother. So, yeah, I think, I think there's just, again, so many things that could be happening there. Um, so then we do cut back to Earth. We come back to the trailer, and now it's Jane is reading myths. Uh, I don't think it's the same book she had before that uh, Eric had. It's another book of mythology. Oh, no, uh, it's the ri- same book. It's the oh, is it the same, same book? book? Okay. Yep. Written same on the book. back is uh, Greek goddesses and legendary figures come to life in this beautifully illustrated book. It, it was the Greek goddesses part that threw me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, engaging myths are introduced to young readers in a fun and exciting exploration of stories that come from ancient cl- cultures. Is she kind of doing her own Thor research, or is this just her being worried and, like, trying to pass the time because it's 2011 and she doesn't have, like, Candy Crush on her her phone yet? (laughs) There's – I think there's an element of her, uh, you know – having found this book or Eric found it, then Darcy was reading it and it piqued her curiosity because it had this information that, that Thor kept throwing out at them uh, Mm -hmm. as part of his real world. And so I think she probably is reading through that whole Norse section about their myths to learn more about all these different elements. Um, That was, I mean, that was my impression is that she's just there, this puzzle there are so many missing pieces to this puzzle, and she's just like, this hopefully will fill in a few gaps for me. That's that's my impression. Yeah, I, I, I totally think that this, her reading that book is getting her one step closer to accepting the possibility that Thor is real. Yeah, yeah right, right. I, I think that's a part of it, but I do think there's an element of she's worried, she doesn't know what's happening, and she's just trying to keep her mind distracted, especially with the way that she kind of like throws the book down and then it's just so – she leaps to her feet the minute they come in. Well, and she even has that uh, – I mean, to your point, she has that moment where she's just kind of looking out the window. Like it's – there's right. – yeah, she's just – there are other things on her mind. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and it definitely can be both. Um, we then get a quick product placement from Goldene Crunch. <laughs> As Kyle would say, product placement. <laughs> Goldene Crunch is a sponsor of the movie. None of this podcast, so I can say it is <laughs> god-awful from the two holes that oh, I've ever had. Oh, um, I love it. Cashy, I do mean I love it. Great. Stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Thor brings in, in Eric. And so now we're kind of reconnecting to that kind of great scene we saw of them. Uh, well, actually, no. I mean, was in the deleted scene, we saw them singing together. Right. Do we see any of them getting drunk together in the in the actual movie? I, I'm getting to the point where I'm confusing the two now. They start drinking. They they you know he orders the the drinks and they start drinking and then it's that you know who's going to stop first sort of moment right. that we cut out on. But there was none of them singing, so we haven't actually seen them kind of really connecting. But you know. So he, uh, Eric is clearly drunk. Thor seems to be doing pretty well. Uh, he's coming in. You get this great little moment of, oh, he's not injured at all. And then immediately, like, bonks his head on the wall. <laughs> um, and, and you know, Jane is concerned and says, you know, what happened? And, and Thor has the great line, we drank, we fought, we made his ancestors proud. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, like, this whole exchange, I think, speaks well to, um, I don't know. I. It's it. What I find really interesting about this is there, the way that they left us in the bar is that Thor agreed to leave town, 
And Eric said, great, then I'll buy you another drink and you'll leave town tonight. And that's kind of where they left it. And then obviously they had a good time. They got stinking drunk. And I mean, yeah, when Thor says we drank, we fought, he made his ancestors proud. It's like, okay, so there must have been like this whole we fought part. Maybe that's what he's saying. They they disagreed about Jane, but they came to an understanding or something like I just don't know. But this whole they seem so joyous together that I felt like they must have just started drinking there and just drank for a long time to the point where they where everything seemed OK. That's how I've always read it before I looked at the script or right. deleted scenes. Yeah, I, I, I think that it's totally just narrative shorthand that mm-hmm. just in this, uh, you know, 30 seconds, you your mind fills in exactly how the rest of their night went. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I think you certainly can read it the way you're talking about, Andy. I think it's also very possible that Branagh wanted to cut out the bar fight, but also just knew this was such a great line that he wasn't going to get rid of it. You know, yeah. and so I think you can either you can imagine that happen or you can imagine a bar fight like either one. To me, more than anything, it just again reminds me that like Thor's max stat is charisma. Strength is very high, but he is a 18, 20 plus five charisma guy. Because uh, even Eric, who was like, I want you out of town. I think you're bad for Jane. Here is, you know, buddy, buddy with him. And I, I just love it. And I love that it's again Thor showing he seems so happy to be carrying this guy and taking care of him. And, and we're seeing real empathy from him in a way that... I don't think it's that he never had it before. I think this is the kind of empathy he had at times for the Warriors 3 and for Sif and for others. It's just that in the past, he's only had it when it when he wanted to, instead of understanding that sometimes it might be helpful to be empathetic, even when you're not in the best of moods. What, what's your take on that? Yeah, I, I think that it, it does show him connecting with the people and... Um, you know, I, I like to think, and we also get to see that Thor most likely drank just as much as Eric, but he is clearly not <laughs> drunk whatsoever. Because uh, I'm sure that, that Asgard has much stronger libations up there, but he still appreciates the, the camaraderie between him and Eric, and that it is him connecting with the... I guess uh, what he previously would have felt of as lesser people of Midgard and getting to know that, no, they they are just as important as anybody in Asgard. Yeah. I mean, he would have made he made his ancestors proud. That's probably one of the finest, like highest compliments Thor can give you. And that's so different from where he was earlier. Although I was wondering about that, it's like what what part of the night was he referring to regarding Eric and his ancestors? Was it the drinking? Was it the fighting? Like just the camaraderie? Like what what specifically? I mean, because obviously there was no actual fight in the film as it played out. So I was just like, what like what were they so proud about? I mean, we don't know. Like a bar fight <laughs> is certainly a possibility that the film leaves very open. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, yeah, although he doesn't say they, they he says they didn't get hurt at all. So I, I assume. Right. That, yeah. But yeah, it's it's an interesting it is an interesting thing. It's like what we're what what does Thor see as the sort of thing that makes ancestors proud, uh, like holding their liquor, maybe or, or not holding their liquor. Who knows? I, I, I find it very funny. Although talking about a bar fight, it it makes me picture a potential comedic bar fight where Eric is just completely drunk and just like 
you know, stumbling around and completely missing all the punches just due to well-timed, you know, stumbles mm-hmm. while Thor does all the fighting. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's kind of, it is actually scripted kind of funny because uh, yeah. what Eric does is, you know, I, and I can't remember exactly what happens, but he's trying to separate Thor from a drunk, from one of the drunk townies that we saw earlier. And, and Eric's trying to calm the townie down. And then Eric headbutts him <laughs> and, that's kind of, and knocks yeah. him flat on his butt. And so that's kind of, so, I mean, it is, it is, I mean, it's not exactly done the, the way that you're describing, which actually is very funny, but I do appreciate that at least they were trying to do it in a funny way if they had left it in. Yeah. Now, um, I believe Andy, you had some comments on the sartorial choices being made by uh, both gentlemen and Jane. So let's start with, Thor and his wardrobe. <laughs> yes, I have that in my notes as well. So when Thor's when he's at the Shield Crater base, he's in his t-shirt. He had given his coat to Jane, and he went in in his dark shirt. That's where he was, and uh, and he comes out with that. Eric, it seemed like he had two layers of black coats that he had been wearing, um, and then he gave one of them to Thor presumably when they get to the bar, because by the time they're in the bar, Eric is wearing one coat, Thor is wearing the other. Now, in the bar, if you look on the the bar itself next to Thor, there is a plaid coat laying there, presumably someone else's. And apparently, at some point when Thor decided to leave, he decided that that coat was what he wanted to wear, because that is now the coat that Thor is wearing. (laughs) And I find it very funny that essentially he just like stole someone's coat off of the bar and and is wearing it right now. So uh, I don't know. I it's kind of it's kind of a funny thing. I don't know. Did you notice anything else with else with that uh, bubble weed? Well, I, I didn't notice that specifically because I I didn't I did watch the the entire movie about a week ago, and then um, I I just have been watching just been focusing on these five minutes so i didn't go back to look where this flannel came from my, my note is that just this flannel that he's wearing is hideous <laughs> i have and a note it's later so... where it's like it looks like he's a lumberjack <laughs> <laughs> but i also feel like and uh, i have a few more notes on um that we see in the next minute i think it, it points out a bit more in the next minute but i almost feel like at this point it helps show that Thor is kind of out of place mm-hmm. in in this situation. It, it makes him stand out a bit more and, and makes him look like he doesn't look comfortable wearing that flannel. It doesn't look like it's made for him. But like yeah. the the colors and and everything about it just does not read like anything that Thor as a character would ever choose to wear. <laughs> Especially the royal blood. Like, that seems like one of the least royal outfits that he's been in so far. <laughs> it's always been tailor-made stuff that, that fits mm-hmm. the cut of his body. And here we have this just kind of like this. I mean, he seems like that lumbering oaf in, you know, this outsized yeah. flannel jacket. I mean, he did throw on that shield jacket for like half a second during oh. the infiltration, but then almost immediately took it off again. Because, yeah, I think it was like, you know, these are mortal clothes. They don't fit my biceps. <laughs> Uh, the and then the other thing that you brought up is is Jane's shirt, and what struck me with Jane's shirt is as soon as I saw it peeking out from her 
uh, from her shirt. I'm like, wait, is that Miss Minutes from the Loki TV show? Like, I, and I, I stopped and I was trying to figure it out. And then I'm like, oh, no, it's a son. I couldn't figure it out. But luckily, some people online had done all the research for me. It is a shirt. The design is called Wandering Sun, designed by Mark Jacobs. It's a happy little orange sun with a smiley face with his the body of a cloud with two like rainbow legs or one rainbow leg and one rain leg as he's as it's just kind of walking. And that's that's what she's wearing, which is I mean, it's it's an adorable little shirt. I really liked it. But I totally had to stop for a second because I'm like, whoa, 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 were they thinking about this this far back? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, it, it's funny how those graphic design things play out. Cause yeah, it's, I mean, the one hand is just a smiley face in a circle, you know, but it is, there's enough similarities there that you do got to wonder, um, you know, how these things connect. So I love that you went deep on that. Yeah, right. It's, it's funny. I'll, I'll drop that in the, um, on the day this show goes live, I'll drop it in the chat room so everyone can uh, look at the actual image themselves. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, you should do a side-by-side -side with Miss Minutes just so people can see, yeah. see exactly what we're talking yeah, about here. Yeah, good idea. Right, right. Um, yeah, so uh, was there anything else about this minute that people wanted to talk about? Yeah, I, I actually um, noticed a background detail that, that stood out to me. And um, it, in, that, in their little RV, there is a TV with a stack of DVDs. And... They are not very clear, but I was able to see, I was able to um, decipher what the top three uh, movies were. Nice. And the, the top movie on that pile is Dead Again. And, and all three of the movies are Paramount films, since this was a Paramount movie. And Dead Again, I, I, I'd never heard of it, but I just... You know, doing a quick look up, it stars Kenneth Branagh. That's yep. right. Yeah. Kenneth Branagh, uh, which actually came out recently because on our uh, the next reel uh, Discord, we were discussing bad accents, and he is playing <laughs> a California detective, and he is a brilliant Shakespearean author. He is uh, actor. He is a wonderful director. His American accent was so bad in that movie, <laughs> which too bad because it's a great movie, but it's just it's awful. <laughs> Sorry, go on, though. Uh, and then the second movie, I'm pretty sure, is Reds. And uh, that, I, I didn't see any any connection specifically. Yeah, uh, neither did I one. with the third movie, which I'm almost certain is School of Rock. Okay. Oh, wow. Wow, okay, interesting. Red, Reds is the one about, um, I think his name is John Reed, the American reporter who was in, Mo who was in St. Petersburg during the uh, uh, what became the Communist Revolution. Yeah, the, the, the guy wrote ten, film from yeah, ten days that shook the world. Yeah, and then we go to School of Rock. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't like Kenneth, the the Dead Again is a great little like nod because you know it's Kenneth Branagh. The other two, I got nothing. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, I, I wonder if there is some tie in somewhere. I mean, other than Reds, we know that the red, the color red, really pops. And the, I mean, like in the hospital, they had the little the nod to Thor's red cape with the red Crocs at the end of the bed. And so I wonder if that's just another opportunity to try dropping something red into the shot, you know? So that would be, that would be the one thing that I would think of for that one. Mm -hmm. School of Rock. That I, I'm left a little struggling on that one. I think, so is sure. that the Jack Black where he's te he makes a yeah. band out of middle yeah. schoolers? Teach, yeah. <laughs> teaching them how to rock. Yeah. It's a, it's a fun movie. I, I'm, I struggle trying to think how that might tie in. I'm not exactly sure. There, there were a few others, but in in this minute and with the the clip that I 
that uh, I had available, I wasn't able to get a clear shot of, of anything else. And these three were blurry, but I am I am pretty confident that that's what they are. That's awesome. I love that you did that. I, I was too focused on, on Thor stumbling around with uh, Eric on his shoulder and the fantastic goofy smile that Eric gives <laughs> Jane when he when he recognizes her. He's a happy drunk. He is a he plays a great happy drunk. Like I love seeing Stellan in this and like the deleted scene when he's drunk and falls really over. Fun. So good. Well, I, I gotta say, Bubba, we with with that level of detail, you truly have the heart of a minute by minute uh, <laughs> a minute minuter. So, uh, are there minute by minute ones that you've either led or that you've been guest guest on a lot that people can find you on? Um, the the first one that I've done that's that is out already was a few years ago, and that was a Toy Story minute. Um, I, I did um, some minutes in the first movie uh, at uh, Sid's house. And then upcoming, I will be a guest on the Roadhouse Minute. Nice. Um, I, it was an early scene in the bar. Oh, yeah. It was the the scene where they, uh, um, where Patrick Swayze walked into the guy uh, in the dry storage room with the naked girl. I, I, I need to read that's there are a few of those 80s and early 90s Patrick Swayze movies I definitely need to revisit that's one of them I don't remember anything about that movie other than enjoying it at the time and then I'm also uh, will be a guest on the time bandits minute oh, nice. which uh, as we're recording that they just started releasing episodes and I was a guest on um uh, it was a scene with whenever evil was giving them the idea to go to the greatest treasure um, nice. of all. Nice. Doing some mind control there. Nice. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Well, we have fans, definitely check those out. Check out all the other podcasts that both myself and Andy are on. And most importantly, thank you for tuning in. You all are what makes this podcast possible. Uh, we mentioned a little bit the discussion we were having on Discord. Discord's a great way to share feedback with us, but you can also find lots of other great ways on the uh, website. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you're loving. Let us know what you didn't love. Let us know the, the minutes about Thor that jumped out at you. We'd love to hear it. Uh, I'm half myself, Andy, uh, Bubba Wheat. Thank you all so much, and have a great day. Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is One Last Ride by Martin Puringer. Find the show at truestory.fm. And if your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, consider doing that for this show. Music